Welcome, everybody, to Straight Shooter Wrestling Podcast. I am one-third of your host tonight. My name is Santi, and we're going to get to our guest here in just a second. But, Steve, I want to throw it over to you. How's it been, how has it been going? Santi, it is fantastic. I am going to run into it real quick and just give everyone a quick update on the social media following. Guys, we are 367,000 as of right now on TikTok. Thank you guys so, so much for the continued following. It's nothing compared to the guests that we have on the show today, but we will get there in a second. Almost 7,600 on YouTube. And Santi, can I shout out some uh, new locations? Yes, where are, uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear where some of these people just live in the middle, just the middle of nowhere. So where is our most remote listener this week? I'm going to say this. I am very surprised, but we finally hit Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, okay. What? All right. Okay. I mean, that's not like a uh, middle of nowhere, but like, that's still pretty cool that we're crossing the Pacific. Yeah, we crossed the Pacific. We're in Honolulu. I just want to shout out Johannesburg. We're getting heat. There, in you know what? Jo- I saw that we had a lot of listeners in Johannesburg. Yeah. <laughs> we are getting heat in Johannesburg. Let's go. Um, and uh, Kolkata. We got Kol- into India. Let's go worldwide. Kol- Kolkata. What is going on, Kolkata? And honestly, I'm just going to shout it out every time I see it, just because I want to. Alisund norway okay let's just talk about this is where the vikings took off from all right alisund norway it is as it's almost as north as iceland okay so we're just gonna shout the guys thank you so much for all the support following listening Follow us on all our platforms. Santi, let's get to the topic of the day, bro. I mean, the topic of the day is sitting right in front of us. Mr. Professor, a.k.a. Nick, welcome to the show. How have you been? Gentlemen, I've been great. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Yes. I'm going to say this. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Like, honestly, we got the OG of the wrestling community right now. <laughs> I, I For me... I, I, I'm marking out just a little bit. I, I, I'm enjoying this right now. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Um, I cannot wait to hear your story, man. It's I, I'm I'm very excited to be on with you guys. You know, I, I love to to talk about how everything came to where it is now because it's it's gotten pretty crazy over the past week, and I, I you know I'm just blessed and thankful for all of the opportunities that have been presented, including to be on with you guys because this this was in the works before all of this stuff came about uh last week and up to now so i'm just i'm really excited to be on with you guys well uh, again we appreciate this nick and you know um i know that there's a lot many of our listeners are coming over from our tiktok channel so i'm confident that many of the people who are listening to this either in podcast services or uh watching the live version um here on youtube many of them know who you are but i'm sure that there's probably going to be a good pocket of people that don't know who you are if they were to visit your tiktok page they're going to see a variety of things they're going to see um things related to music recently you're going to be seeing some wrestling stuff some comedy i'm curious how you yourself would describe your tiktok page to somebody who has never seen any of your work uh i would call it edutainment because there's a lot of entertainment about it but there's a lot of education as well uh with the education background that i come from uh i recently just left the job 
as an administrator at a junior high school. But before that, I taught for seven years in elementary. Uh, before that, I taught for seven to eight years in the uh, college realms. I've been a substitute teacher. I've been in education for uh, a large portion of my life. So uh, that is ingrained in the content that I present on social media. But you'll see a lot of wrestling. Of course, you'll see a lot of music, especially uh, rock and metal type stuff. And uh, you'll see some comedy as well, because that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I started off doing. And like I tell people all the time, if you keep liking it, I'll keep making it. No, and that's fair. Now, just before we we move on too far away from this, uh, I'm very curious um, as to how you got on to TikTok in the first place, because I say this because I'm I'm just about to turn 30 and it took me a while to look at TikTok and say, all right, I should be on this platform because for a long time, I was like, this is for children. My nieces are doing dances to TikTok. They're doing the renegade or whatever it's called. So I know how I eventually got into TikTok. Uh, and it seems like Steve wants to jump in, but I'm very curious how you ended up actually starting a TikTok page as not being a 14 year old schoolgirl. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you want to say something before? I yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to let you know, Nick, like, Santi and I used to work together in a, in a setting and I jumped on TikTok a long time before he did. And he used to troll me in our office day in and day out for having a TikTok. Like only, only like 18 year olds and under <laughs> will have TikTok. And this guy is now sitting with me with 300 and almost 70,000 followers. And he, he won't swallow his pride. So Nick, please tell me. How did you get into it? Because I showed this man the way. You know, it's funny that you say that because I had a lot of friends uh, who were the same way, who used to get on me all the time by, oh, man, you a grown man on TikTok. What are you doing? And then the numbers started to jump up and they were like, man, maybe I need to get on TikTok. <laughs> but I was like, Santi, man, I, I, I started out when I first got TikTok because uh, I said I would never get it. But then a buddy of mine was like, come on. Come on, you got to get on it. You, you you love it. Get on it. I'm on it. The kids are on it. You got to get on it. So I was like, okay, I'll get on TikTok. And I was on it for a day and then deleted it. So I was like, this is nothing but like 14-year-old girls dancing. They're going to put me on a watch list. I'm an educator. <laughs> I can't. This is not something that needs to be happening. So I got to. No, I can't do this. So this was uh, January 2020. Uh, then the pandemic happened. And uh, I was a teacher at home with nothing to do. And I was bored, you know, I did theater back when I was in college. Uh, so I was I was working, when I, everything happened, I was working with this uh, company that was providing enrichment, an enrichment program for uh, school-age children, elementary school-age children, uh, whose parents worked on the front line. They were doctors, nurses, they worked at a local hospital. So they brought them to us so we could stay with them and help them with their schoolwork that they had while they weren't in the building anymore, while their parents were working 24-hour shifts uh, trying to help people who were coming down with COVID. Uh, and while I was there, one of my coworkers, who was a fellow teacher, she's like, you've got to get on TikTok. You're perfect for it. So I said, you know, I'll try it. And I look at it, and there's a lot of Kevin Hart stuff. And this is when the Tiger King boom first started. Matter of fact, the first TikTok I ever made was the uh, Carol Baskin dance. 
was by Carol Baskin. Killed her husband, whacked him. <laughs> but my whole thing was I did it like a um what is okay. it? Uh, you know, the Sammy Guevara uh Bob Dylan thing where you're holding up the signs while the lyrics are going on is Carol Baskin, innocent. Killed her husband, whacked him. Nope. So I was defending Carol and Bold. it got a bunch of views and I just kept rolling from there. Uh, but I was only defending Carol, despite everybody who said that she was guilty of sin. Hey, I, always... I, I, as a, I get it. I'm, I am the, I love making content for the sake of spiting people, especially like when they don't see that it's a joke. I have a separate TikTok channel where I, I mean, I'm, I'm dressed as it right now, where I'm an obnoxious John Cena mark, where I won't move from the argument that John Cena is the greatest of all time. And I put it in my bio that I am a parody of myself and still people are in my comment section calling me a mark to which I reply, no, my name is Santi. It's hilarious just seeing people just creating what i believe is just wholesome content that is getting people mad for the for for absolutely no reason steve jump in the worst part is like i get tagged like they know he's my like pr pretty much my tag team partner i get tagged in every single one of his videos just so i can get trolled by him being a mark like <laughs> i'll tell you right now it is i wake up in the morning he he throws a video up at 10 o'clock at night i wake up in the morning at eight and i've got like 70 notifications of santi's video mr tash mr tash mr i'm like oh my god this guy is ruining my life <laughs> but he is creating the best content because nobody understands he's actually trolling <laughs> everybody now nick i mean let's let's talk a, a a little bit about um your journey into wrestling tiktok like we like we mentioned you've done a lot of different verticals with tiktok which what's funny funny enough like it, you are definitely against the current when it comes to the typical strategy of growing on tiktok which is do one thing and do that one thing a lot that is proven to work on tiktok you yeah. aren't doing that you if somebody goes on your page like we said you're, there's a lot going on how we got to know you and and how you landed on our radar is your wrestling stuff whether it's you know um you commenting on wrestling culture you making skits about wrestling or working with wrestlers um on your tiktoks we saw some of your stuff with aw i saw some of your uh tiktoks doing uh things at indie shows so i know that you probably have a very rich background in in professional wrestling but i'm very curious what made you make the decision to take tiktok where you were making carol baskin dances and wrestling and put them together well you know, wrestling has always been a love of mine ever since I was a small child. So I, one thing that I wanted to do with my content was take the things that I loved, that I really loved, and put them into my content, make content surrounding the things that I enjoy. Because one thing that I've found and learned about social media is that if you know something well, you know, that's the one thing you want to talk about. You don't want to venture into your content or anything that you do talking about something you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't even know what it is. You know, if you don't, if you're not well versed in what you're talking about, you shouldn't be posting it online because people will come after you with the quickness. And I think one thing that people find 
about the wrestling stuff that I do on TikTok is that I know what I'm talking about. You know, part of the reason why uh, I got noticed by WWE and AEW for the stuff that I was doing with my entrances was the nuances, all the little things that I was doing in those videos and in the entrances that most people don't notice for all of these people that are doing their stuff. Like the the Batista entrance is one of my favorites, and it's also one of Xavier Woods' favorites too. Okay. If anybody. You know, so take on social line, social media, and it's what I just did another one the other day. I've done it. Uh, uh, I want to say I've done two different videos, but I also did it live on the bump. Uh, and it's one of my favorites. You know, you got the leg slap right before you get to the guns, and you know all the different stuff that he does. The quick turnaround to go to the other side of the ramp to talk to the other part of the audience before he comes down to start doing all the other stuff in the entrance. You notice the little stuff, and it makes it that much just more crisp Mm -hmm. and a part of it and part of why i wanted to start doing that stuff online in the first place is because i love it and i saw a couple of other people i saw you know one thing about social media tiktok in particular is that a lot of times you will find your people you will find your tribe you will find uh people with uh like interests and I saw a lot of people on there who had wrestling stuff. And, you know, the more you like and comment on that stuff, the more it goes onto your FYP. So at one point I was like, well, let me start doing some of my wrestling stuff too. And it just, it just took off. You know, I found my people and, you know, I saw the, who was it? Uh, the macho fan, Sandy Ravage. Uh, if anybody <laughs> remembers that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like he was the TikTok US champion, and uh, Lou Nonsense was the TikTok world heavyweight champion. And I was still doing EFEDs heavy uh, over on Facebook when I joined TikTok. So when I saw all that stuff, that's how I really got into the WrestleTalk stuff was the EFED stuff, the cutting the promos on TikTok and, you know, talking about people and trying to get over with everybody. And people really liked it. And, you know, we did this whole thing, SummerSlam 2020, uh, with me versus uh, Sandy Ravage. Was it, was that, no, that wasn't SummerSlam. I apologize. SummerSlam was me and Luke Nonsense for the World Heavyweight Championship. And that became like this big deal on WrestleTalk where they had all like five different judges uh, judging the match uh, to see who was going to end up winning, including, I want to say, uh, like some big, you know, uh, YouTubers and so forth. And, you know, I've had Mikey O'Shea judge one of my matches on TikTok before. And he, you know, a family app. Oh, Mikey, my boy. Uh, it's so that's how I really got started with the rest of the stuff on TikTok. It wasn't even the entrances. The entrances came as a product of me doing like the promos and stuff and the EFED stuff on TikTok. And that's how the wrestling stuff really started to come to fruition. Gotcha. Now, um, you know, with you doing all of this wrestling stuff, it's afforded you and you you've already mentioned a few of them afforded you some opportunities to work with wrestling promotions, either the largest ones on the planet like WWE, as you mentioned, uh, to smaller independent promotions. The one I'm very curious about is the recent work that you did with AEW a couple of months back. Can you tell us how that relationship came about? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so I did a podcast with uh, Dan McDevitt uh, from Maryland Championship Wrestling. And when I did that with Dan, uh, he said during the podcast, he was like, you know, 
Or he talked to me and he was he knew somebody that was connected to AEW. And I was like, well, I'm trying to go to the show in New Orleans. And he was like, let me see what I could do. And uh, he talked to his buddy and he was like, and, and his buddy, and, I, and they got me in. And not only did they get me in, he was like, look, we want you to come to the show, but also uh, Orange Cassidy wants to do some content with you. So can you, like, we, I, we want you to come, but we also want, you know, Orange wants to do some stuff with you. So I said, yeah. yeah I bet yeah. that wasn't even a discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conversation yeah. at that point. Let me, let me think. Of, yes. Let me, let me do that. So uh, they, I ended up getting, I was, I walked in and, well, it was surreal because, you know, I've been recognized before by people, you know, going places and they'll say, oh man, you're that dude from TikTok. I really like your stuff. But I've never been like rushed and approached like I was at the AEW show. Like I'm walking in and people are stopping me to take pictures with me. They're like, dude, can I take a picture with you? I love your stuff. You are the best. And that was that was a surreal and crazy moment to me in and of itself. The fact that, you know, I, I know I'm going in to do this, but people are stopping me like I'm on the car. You're, so you're it, basically one of the guys on the card. You're, you're, you are one of the AEW superstars in that situation. So that is fantastic. Keep going, please. Yeah, so it's, it's crazy. So we get there, and uh, uh, one of the producers who's downstairs is like, you know, well, I'm going to come up and get you. I'm going to bring you down, and we'll take you back, and then we'll do your stuff. And I walk in, and just everybody. You walk past everybody. You know, one of the first people I saw was Ricky Starks. And Starks uh, interacted with me a good bit on the entrance that I did on Twitter. And uh, he really enjoyed it when I did his, because his is one of my favorites, you know, Ricky Starks. That's my boy. And plus, he's a Louisiana guy like me. So uh, Ricky, as a matter of fact, Ricky was one of the guys that worked with the promotion that I work with now, BIW, back in the day before he did AEW. Uh, because, you know, Bayou Independent Wrestling usually uses a lot of guys from Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Arkansas. Uh, and Ricky was one of those guys. Keith Lee was another one who did back in the day, but I, I digress. Uh, so I get downstairs and I see Ricky and, you know, uh, see a bunch of the guys who are, you know, going over stuff for the night and uh, just getting to meet all these guys and talk to them. And, you know, just really, it, it, it was a surreal moment to see all these people. Like I grew up watching Sir William Regal, you know what I'm saying? And to be in front of this man, to have somebody be like, oh, this is, you know, Stephen William Regal. And he introduced himself by his real name. And he was like, hi, very nice to meet you. And I said, oh, my God, it's I'm... you. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 please, please, please. The legend, spit. Don't do this to me. It's crazy. Just, like, to see the, all of these guys and to just, you know, be right there with them. You know, I, I, I've gotten the opportunity to work with some great talent uh, over the years with my work on the indies and doing uh, different stuff with, like, WWE and AEW. But the fact, you know, just, I'm still a fan. Like, Mark is not a derogatory term for me. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Mark is, not a der- Thank you. Mark, Mark is not a derogatory term. I say we take that term back. Mark oh, yeah. is not a derogatory term. I wear that like a badge. Yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I don't deny it. I think we're all wrestlers are marks if they weren't marks they wouldn't be participating in the industry themselves you know they're just there's just levels to it like some people are your 
you know, the, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. But <laughs> it's like, I'm still a fan. So when I see all of these guys and I'm talking to all these guys and they tell me that they dig my content and they like my stuff, that was just the best. And then to, I, I got the chance to sit with some of the guys and watch Dark and uh, while it was being taped. And then uh, they pulled, they were like, you, you ready? You want to go? And I was like, yeah, let's, I'm ready. Let's go. So they pull me over and I'm standing there with Orange. And he goes, uh, let me get, because uh, he wanted to get other people in it. Because if you remember the video, there were a couple yeah. other people in it. He's like, I'm going to get uh, uh, 10 and Danhausen and Tony Storm and pull them over to do the video. Uh, so they, they come over. Uh, Orange came up with the whole concept of what he wanted to do for the video. That was all Orange, man, of like the people holding up the tens and him coming from around the corner with thumbs up. That that was all him. And I, I just I was, you know, I was over the moon working with him. But the best part to me uh, was because I've had interactions. If anybody who follows on Twitter knows, I've had a lot of interactions with uh, Sean Dean, Captain Sean Dean. Uh, who I love, and uh, him and Carly Bravo, the infantry, man. Salute the infantry. If I ever get the chance to work with AEW and they want me to manage somebody, it's the infantry. Those are my guys. So I see Dean, and he's walking past, and he sees me, and he automatically goes, yo! And I was like, what's up, man? And we just, like, ran towards each other and just dapped each other up and took pictures, and it was just the coolest thing, man, because that's my guy. So to have that kind of interaction with somebody uh, and to, you know, just to have that kind of rapport with somebody who I see on TV on a regular basis is just is just the coolest, man. So, Nick, I, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. Like, I got blessed when I was younger. I, I worked in the hospitality industry in, in mine in Santee City right now. And I got to work backstage for a bunch of house shows. Um, and I, I, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting uh, the likes of Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. The list goes on and on. And, you know, you get to meet that one wrestler that really you know, kind of changes your persona about the business and how they bring themselves across compared to what they do on TV. Mine was Eddie Guerrero. 100% mine was Eddie Guerrero, like hands down. Um, when you went to AEW or maybe it was something you uh, had when you were at the bump with WWE, who was that one that really was just like humbling and just welcoming that made you feel to the point that like you were one of the talent who who was that one for you jonathan coachman um if anybody remembers what? the coach yeah oh of course Whoa. we remember the coach Whoa. holy shit so, okay what? so, so, so let, let me tell you a story uh i used to work with uh espn radio affiliate out of north louisiana uh for like a decade or so and when I worked as a producer and on-air talent with them, uh, we had a working relationship with Jonathan Coachman. Coach uh, was <laughs> doing college football at the time, as as along with working with the WWE in an on-screen and behind-the-scenes role. So Coach, they were doing Saturday Night's Main Event in Dallas, Texas. And this was back during when ECW was a part of the fold as well. And uh, Coach was like, Hey man, if you guys are going to be in town for a Saturday night's main event, I'd love to uh, bring you over to the bar 
buy you a drink at our hotel if you'd like to come by. We're like, yeah, sure. So we get there. First of all, our hotel, we made sure that our hotel was right next door to where they were. Uh, I think we were at a La Quinta, they were at a Double Tree, and we were right next door. So we could just walk over from the room and go to where they were. So we're walking up, and the first thing I see is Joey Styles and Taz having dinner in the little downstairs restaurant through a window as we were walking up to the door. And that kind of gave me an indication of how the night was going to go. So we walk into the bar area, and Coach is sitting there with Tori Wilson, Candace Michelle, Victoria, and Todd Grisham. Oh. <laughs> Sandy, get up. Get up, bro. Get up, bro. Sarah's watching this. Sarah's watching this, bro. <laughs> They're all just standing, sitting there, chilling, uh, talking. Uh, I had this long conversation with Victoria because that was right after, I want to say, her uh, WrestleMania 20 match uh, with Molly Holly, uh, which was a fan. Just go, go back and watch that match. It's a really good match. Oh, Nick, and... don't, don't let me cut you off. Give me a sec. But Santi's legit, like, simp junior high is Victoria. I so you love just, Victoria. I... Yeah, she's the best. Man. She was real. Uh, shout out to Lisa Marie Baron. Uh, just just the best dude yeah. so um get a chance to talk to all of them uh we're sitting there and big show walks in and coach is like hey big show come on over man so big we big show comes over and he grips my hand and it just engulfs me <laughs> uh and then jim ross walks in now this was like one of the humbling moments for me where Jim Ross comes in, sits down at the bar with the hat on the whole nine, because that is not a gimmick. That is who JR is. And he's got the beer. Uh, he's sitting there drinking beer. And I, I walk up to him and say, hey, man, I, I don't want to bother you because I know that you've had a long night. And I just wanted to come up and shake your hand and let you know that I, you know, I truly appreciate you. I grew up watching you and Gordon Soley uh, being from the South. And I just, you are one of the reasons why I love wrestling. So I just wanted to say thank you and buy you a beer. He's like, well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And it was just, you know, just a really cool moment for me uh, that whole evening. The funniest part was I think we saw, uh, who was it? I want to say Hornswoggle and Big Show were having breakfast at a Denny's across the street. Sounds like the and start of a just, joke. That is, that is, no, that's, that's real life, <laughs> but like that's. Uh, that was one of the weirdest sights ever to see this gigantic <laughs> man, this little bitty guy, sitting across from the table each other, like having hash browns. That's Santi's future bachelor party. <laughs> That's right there. You, um, oh, this is in, this is incredible. I just want to say that all of our listeners, wherever they are around the world, you have just basically described a wrestler's fan fiction. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like you you wrote this for for like I said like I said a fan fiction telenovela website somewhere because if if that were to happen to me I'm pretty sure that like I would never bathe uh, I just to be in the presence of greatness and here's and here's something I, I kind of want to get at so I feel like one of the reasons why uh, Straight Shoot is taking off and doing so well across various different channels is that Steve and I are not insiders in any way, shape, or form. We are not journalists. We are we are simply fans 
that enjoy wrestling and just want to talk about it. And I think that that's come across in a lot of the things that we do. And perhaps maybe that's the reason why a lot of people has, have, have jumped on. Um, you know, like with a lot of wrestling podcasts, there's a, a lot of it is run by wrestlers or insiders. And a lot of the time there's a, there's a disconnect there between fan and those two, you know, wrestlers and, and, and insiders because the fan isn't a wrestler and the fan isn't an insider. So we're thinking, you know, like, you know, we're seeing this traction because a lot of fans are resonating with our point of views because we really are just fans. And, you know, like from my perspective, what I'm hearing is that your ability to create content as a fan, somebody who loves the product and is passionate about it, um, it, and it makes it so the content that you're creating and the relationships that you're trying to create aren't forced. They seem to come very natural to you. And all of these opportunities seem to flock to you because your content seems so genuine and so real um, as somebody who is a wrestling fan making content, not somebody who is making content to be a wrestling fan, which I'm going to just throw it out there. I think there's a lot of that on the internet. I'm yeah. curious, like... It's, you know, you, you mentioned that story so nonchalant. What, when, what is your most awestruck moment? Like, oh my God, I'm in the presence of this person right now. You mentioned a little bit with, with William Regal, maybe that's it, but what's the biggest one you've had? Well, there's one that happened that was very happenstance for me. Uh, we were at a, like I said, I worked with an ESPN radio affiliate and we were able to uh, go to a bunch of different sporting events. And before they were the Pelicans, they were the New Orleans Hornets. Yep. And they had a, a nationally televised game against uh, the Golden State Warriors years ago. And I was, this was right after, you know, they still had a working relationship with a lot of the people. They had just moved from Charlotte. So they still had a lot of a working relationship with a lot of the people who they had that kind of relationship with back then, one of them being Ric Flair. So we're there for a an event, for a game, for that game on a Sunday. And they were like, so Ric Flair is going to be signing autographs in the concourse during the game. But before the game, me and my buddy are standing outside in line trying to get in. And there's this commotion like right around us. And we're like, what is going on? What's happening? Rick, by God, Flair walks right in front of us. Like, I mean, my computer's here. I'm here. My computer's Rick Flair. Like, walks right in front of us. I didn't say anything. I didn't try to stop him or anything like that because everybody was trying to get their hand on nature. They're like, oh my God, it's Rick Flair. So. That was one of the moments to, that was kind of like, wow, because it wasn't one where I was really expecting it or trying to see it or anything like that. It wasn't that we had bought like VIP tickets or nothing like that. Uh, but to to kind of circle back years later, uh, you know, Rick's people get in contact with me in order to do some work with them. Like, I think it was uh, SummerSlam or something this past year. I think it was SummerSlam. Uh, SummerSlam last year where they were doing like a live uh, video cast thing that people could buy tickets to so they can sit and like watch SummerSlam or do like a SummerSlam pre-show with Ric Flair. And they contact me and they're like, you know, 
but we want to throw you like free tickets and want you to like send other people tickets for like a contest that you do on your socials. Uh, so, you know, getting, getting reached by different entities within the business who say, we want to work with you. Like, that's what kills me now. Like, I've had the opportunity to work with a bunch of different prof- uh, uh, sports, professional wrestlers. Uh, I don't want to say sports entertainment. Uh, <laughs> got a chance to work with a bunch of different guys uh, in the business over the years that have always... Uh, oh, okay. So, years ago, uh, before I started working in the... Well, kind of. I just started. And TNA, it was TNA at the time, did a house show uh, in the, in Monroe, Louisiana, which is North Louisiana, which is where I was at. And uh, they wanted to do this promotion where a couple of DJs from local radio stations came in and managed wrestlers. So they had a match for the X Division Championship between uh, Sheik Abdul-Bashir, who people know as Sean Davari, and uh, Homicide. So they wanted me to manage... Sheikh Abdul Bashir, who was the challenger, and Homicide was the X Division champion at the time. Uh, and my buddy, a good friend of mine, was managing Homicide. So before we go out there, uh, Davari tells me that he wants me to do some mic work. So we go out to the ring, my God. and he says something and hands the mic to me, and I'm just like, you hicks! Don't know anything <laughs> about the talent that's in the ring right now. So let me introduce you to the new X Division champion, Sheik Abdul Bashi. Is is it was the funniest thing, man. And then the match is going on, and Homicide is is like Bashir's got the drop on Homicide. He crawls over to the ropes drapes himself over the ropes and is acting like he's flailing, but he's really calling me over so I can do some chokes. So I can choke him up against the ropes. So I was doing like legit heel manager work for TNA. And that was like, bruh, you couldn't tell me nothing that night. I is legit it, is, 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 my is this who was managing homicide. Like, do, I we got the, do we it, got this on YouTube? No, no, this was a house show. Like okay, 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 right. okay. If you like if you want like real YouTube uh footage of me, uh there is some out there of me doing like heel manager work. Uh there's a guy, uh Vordell Walker, he's a former FIP uh wrestler, he's an indie guy. He was a former uh NWA national heavyweight champion a couple years ago. And uh there's a match between him and a guy, uh Sean Cordova uh, and I was Cordova's manager at the time and you can see uh, Vordell rough me, rough me up I take a couple bumps in that one uh, there's one uh, with um, Cordova and his tag team partner the inner circle that I managed at the time against uh, these guys the Washington Bullets uh, there's a video I just posted on TikTok of like work that I've done in the past and you can see one of the bullets like choking me during the match and at the end of that match if you watch that video on YouTube you'll see uh, Barrett Brown from uh, NJPW Strong, part of the Stray Dog Army. Uh, he's been on uh, AEW a bunch of times. He's been on WWE a bunch of times. Uh, uh, ROH, Barrett is just, he's the consummate professional and just a really cool dude. And Barrett, like, literally kicks my butt 
uh, at the end of that match, like literally puts his foot on my keister. So you can go and check that out. It's on YouTube. And uh, there's another one, a couple of different matches that I managed that are on there too. But the whole thing with TNA, that was just like uh, uh, just a wild evening. And then we get to the back after I'd slapped my homeboy who was managing Homicide during the match. And uh, we get there and uh, the road dog is one of the road agents uh, for TNA at the time. And he's like, did you slap him during that match? I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, I would have slapped him back. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, sh- you should have taken a swipe. So, yeah, it's I- I've had some really cool moments in the business uh, that, you know, it's just it's it's, it's just great to uh, go back and to look back on some of that stuff because it just, you know, it kind of shaped the content that I have now and where I am with uh, just TikTok and wrestling in general. So speaking of the content that you have now, you've just broken 1 million this past week on TikTok. Like, what does that do? Like, what does that do for one, your content, two, for yourself, and three, for kind of the things that you're about to, about to do, the, the opportunities that are being sent to you and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, where are, what's, what are the next steps at that 1 million standpoint? Like, obviously you got the ver- verification quite a long time ago, but the 1 million standpoint, we all know is kind of that upper echelon of, you know, creators. So what has happened in the last week that has kind of changed, you know, that dynamic of what you do? Well, uh, there's a lot of DMs and emails from different people who are saying, you know, we want you to come on this, we want you to come on that. I want people who are watching this and listening to this now to know that the whole thing with Straight Shoot, uh, this was way before the million and way before the viral video. We were working on this for a while. This is something that we wanted to do. Uh, I was, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So this has nothing to do with the million or anything like that. This is just a bunch of a mutual admiration society. Bunch of marks. Talk about. Bunch of marks getting together <laughs> talking about wrestling. This is like your mom's basement. Just a bunch of marks. No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> what? Boys. We done boys. <laughs> it is. We won. So we, we, so, what it does is it you put the one million next to the verification symbol, and people automatically look at your look at your account and say, "Okay, let me see what's up." Like that's when you you and you you go back and look at some of these other creators who have had you know who've gotten to the million point who had the verification symbol and the million turns into 2 million or more than a million almost instantly. Like the numbers start to just pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up. Because, you know, people will, you'll come across the FYP, they'll go to your profile, see that you have a million, see that you have the verification symbol and automatically come in. Like one thing that I've noticed this week more than anything else is a lot of blue checks commenting on my stuff. Which is which isn't something that happened regularly. You had maybe one, because I have a couple of people who I've been uh, friends with on TikTok for uh, a minute. Who uh, uh, my buddy Jake Holland, uh, Pizza Beer Party, who was real big on Vine back in the day, and he's really big on TikTok now. 
and uh, been verified for the gap. And, you know, we've been following each other for almost since I first started on TikTok. It's been a while. Uh, guys like him and uh, 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 Stefan Johnson, uh, who I've been cool with for a, a real quick minute. But now you got just people coming out of the woodwork. When you got the NFL coming on your stuff, when you got, you know, all these different blue checks that are coming on your content, it's just, it's it's humbling, you know, because, you know, I tell anybody until I'm blue in the face, which is really hard for me, this is not something that I started trying to do. You know, I didn't get into TikTok to become TikTok famous. I did not get on TikTok to try to, you know, make money or get big on the internet. I got on TikTok because I was bored during the pandemic. I saw a lot of people who were depressed and I wanted to make them smile. So whatever video I can make comedic wise, music wise, wrestling wise, in order to brighten somebody's day, you know, that's what I tried to do. And I still do that now. You know, the amount of comments and DMs and messages that I get from people who say, you just make me so happy. And every time I see you come across my FYP, a smile comes across my face. I hit like as soon as I see the video because I already know the content is going to be great. It, it, it really puts a lot of the stuff that you do in perspective. And I'm very uh, fortunate to have been put in the position that I'm in now. But the 1 million plus the verification symbol, it really, it really brings it up to another level. It's to the point where I really don't, you know, if I don't get a whole lot of views or likes on a video, it never mattered before. It really don't matter now. It's like, okay, you don't like this one? That's fine. I like it. Someone put it out there. Got a million followers. I'm good. Like, y'all see, y'all see, I know what I'm doing. So we ain't gonna worry about that. That's, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit, um, a little while ago about how your content comes across as, as genuine. Uh, so I think like when, you know, that coupled with the justification from TikTok, right? Like the check mark, the 1 million, um, I think the FYP has, uh, has acknowledged you, um, and, and really blessed you with, uh, with, with, you know, putting your content, which is wholesome, fun, and really enjoyable in front of people whose days you're making better. But I want to move, a, uh, and we'll come back to it because there, there's a little bit more that I want to dig into, but I want to move away from, from social media talk here for a second, because we have a very rare opportunity here to talk about two completely different war two completely different territories of professional wrestling. We come from the gritty Toronto, Ontario scene of professional wrestling, which a lot of people consider to be like, like Chicago light where we're very rowdy and we are the type of fans that since, you know, since the dawn of time has always respected technical wrestlers, right? That's why the likes of Bret Hart have come out of here. The Kenny Omegas, Chris Jericho's. Um, I'm very curious about your upbringing as a wrestling fan in the South, because that's, to me, that seems like it would be a completely different world than what we were used to growing up as wrestling fans and in local house shows around here. Well, you know, with how wrestling was in Canada uh, and, you know, some of the, just the dynasties that come from professional wrestling, professional wrestling in that part of the globe, uh, the South is kind of the same way. Mm, absolutely. You know, it, but, it, you know, it's it's different 
but it's the same. You know, like you have all of these different, you know, the the territories back in the day with, you know, Jim Crockett promotions and Mid-South Wrestling and uh, just uh, some a lot of these different promotions that were from the South uh, and all of the, the Von Eric families and the roads that you see what the roads are still doing now with uh, Cody and Dustin and, you know, how Dusty paved the way for all of that and the NWA, WCW was birthed from that and just all of these, and, you know, it's still a hotbed now uh, from Atlanta to, like, West Texas. Yep, yeah, yeah. It's all there, you know, and it's, there are a lot of fans who remember from from back in those days who are still that's still ingrained in them. It's still their blood. You know, I was at a show, I did a show, uh, if you remember the video that I did uh, where I was breaking up a couple guys in the ring yep. and told somebody I was going to fire him. Uh, yeah. that working I saw well. that one the other day. I saw that one the other day. Yeah, I'm the I'm the commissioner of Value Independent Wrestling. And uh, that's, you know, the, the, the manager work that I did was with them too. I've worked with them as a ref, as a ring announcer, as a as a as a manager, and now as the commissioner uh, for about fifteen years. And you know, you got fans. I was talking to somebody after the show on Saturday. Uh, she was so excited because she was going to see the Rock and Roll Express, and like she just that was Ricky and Robert on her boys. She loves them to death. And we just sat there talking after the show about her love of. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express and how she liked Robin more than she liked Ricky, but she 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 just loves him uh, so so much. And you know they talk about that stuff uh, a lot. And you know me growing up, I was a little kid uh, sitting on my uncle's floor watching uh, old NWA, and you know it used to be on the Superstation TBS six oh five Eastern five oh five Central. Uh, you know, that that's 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 what we watched. And I grew up watching Ric Flair, Sting, Lex Luger, uh Nikita Koloff, the Road Warriors, uh the Four Horsemen, uh the Andersons. That 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 was my upbringing. And you know, that's a legacy in the South that you can put that up against There's just about any region in the world and you know you have some of the best talent to ever grace a squared circle that came out of that you know though you know those territories and those those guys who just really uh you know because being in north louisiana uh mid-south was something that we saw a lot and you know that's where guys like um uh, ted dibiase and hacksaw jim duggan uh, really came up, and I. It, what's funny to me is that people don't, you know, that's where Shawn Michaels comes from, is that region and that time frame. But he was he 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 went by a different name at first, like he was still a student in the game, trying to get you know cut his teeth and get his name up, and just, and you got a lot of guys who are like that. And if you look at some of the guys who are on TV now, like I told you, man, uh, Ricky Starks. In AEW, uh, BIW themselves, they've had Ricky Starks, Keith Lee, Thunder Rosa, 
like a lot of these cats that you see in AEW now, you know, they were a part of they're, they're a part of that lineage. They came up in the Indies in the South themselves. And now you see them every week on TV doing big, big things. So it's it's cool to see that heritage and lineage still being played out now in what you see on TV every week. Yeah, it's crazy that you say that because like I, I Santi and I have a different uh age group when it comes to pro wrestling and mid-south wrestling is a lot of the guys that I was watching early 90s breaking into what was the WWF, the early WCW, uh the late NWA stuff. So it's for me, you're speaking my language. Like right now, you are talking about guys that I grew up watching. Like yeah. th- that every week you had, you know, where the New York guys tried to get that, you know, that Southern mentality out of pro wrestling, which we saw Vince do in the future. But you can't get rid of the lineage that Mid-South Wrestling has actually provided us. The history, the talent, the well, you look at half the WWE Hall of Fame and you're looking at half of Mid-South Wrestling from the 70s on, right? So yeah. I, I I hear you, man. You got you got quality talent. So I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you a story, and this is one that you'll really understand and like appreciate. So one of the first things that I ever did in BIW, I was a ring announcer for when I whenever we went on the road and I didn't have anybody to manage, I would ring announce. And uh, one of the shows that we did was in Saline, Louisiana. And we were in Saline, and uh, one of the, the the headliner on the card was Dr. Death, Steve Williams. And for Dr. They, they, uh, the guy who runs it was like, so Doc is going to get into it with one of the guys, and I'm going to need you to step in and kind of break them up. Uh, so, you know, can, to try to save it for the main event. So me getting the chance to actually do some some work with Dr. Dusty Williams is one of the highlights of my career and my life to work with him. And that was not too long before he passed because, you know, Doc had his health complications and mm-hmm. to get the chance to work with him uh, right before then meant a lot. And, you know, uh, just having these opportunities to work with these legends and these types of people, it, you know, it, it makes it all worthwhile to go back and look at, you know, the things that I've been able to do and the people I've been able to work with, the guys that you, again, the guys you see on TV on a regular basis. It, 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 it's really cool to see. Nick. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go, go ahead and say it. I, I think you're the Forrest Gump of wrestling fans. You've, it's like you've been everywhere did have you also were you also a a a professional ping pong player in the olympics because (laughs) what i'm hearing is it is a trail of greats that you've had a chance to interact with and it, it and these are things that 
you know, your typical wrestling fan um, that, you know, isn't an insider or isn't a wrestler themselves just would never have the opportunity to have as many interactions as, as you've had, which I just think is wild. Another thing that I'll mention, you know, like a big difference, I would say, between, you know, a lot of this talent that you've mentioned coming from the from the deep south compared to what comes out of Canada is it's especially in the 80s and in the 90s you could get over in Canada without having a personality. So long as your in-ring work was pristine. It took yeah, Brett, Hart. yeah, it took Bret Hart forever to get any sort of personality, right? And it was because Vince McMahon really pulled it out of him. But before that, any of his work in Calgary, um, anything that comes out of the dungeon over there, like it's just work. It, there is very little in the way of character or personas or really like the 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 personality side of professional wrestling. Everybody that you mentioned coming out of the South is this larger than life personality that cannot be contained. And that's something that, you know, the Canadian scene has never really seen, which I think is just such a big difference. Like you said at the beginning, before talking about all this stuff, like it's the same, but also different. And I think, uh, in Steve, feel free to jump in here. I think that that's the biggest difference between a lot of these markets, a lot of markets, the, the fans, um, they will put a different aspect of the business on a pedestal. I think the South is the personality. Yes. Can Canada is the technical work. Japan is 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 a different beast altogether. They don't even like stand up to cheer, right? Like there's a they there there's is respect when yes. it comes to what they're seeing in terms of like the art of professional wrestling. So like I, I've always found that so interesting and so fascinating how different parts of the globe or even just parts of the same country and same continent put value into different aspects of, of professional wrestling. Go ahead, Steve. Nick, I'm just going to jump in before you hit this. Um, you looked at the Okada Jay White um, match the other day and the, the, the stadium was silent with Jay White receiving the title, the uh, uh, IWGP title, and the place was silent. There was no applause. There was nothing while he's cutting his promo at the end. It was just it was just a different atmosphere. You come to Canada, and don't get me wrong, Toronto and Montreal are virtually, virtually two of the most hostile, I will say, next to Chicago and Brooklyn. Even I would still put Brooklyn behind Montreal two of the most hostile of the top five areas for pro wrestling, even though we really only release wrestlers with that technical ability, I'll say take away Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, who are just in an upper echelon. And I will say Owen Hart could have been in that upper echelon of those wrestlers that had the drawn out personality on top of that technical ability. You take the South, you are bringing in those those hard boys from Texas, those hard boys from Louisiana, um, from, uh, sorry, not Nashville, but I'm saying like, just from that Mid-South area, even the, the, the ones that really don't fit the Mexican style and come up into that Mid-South area, like say Thunder Rosa, you have a different breed of professional wrestler that can cut the promo be that quote sports entertainer 
but it's 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 just a different it's just a different mentality um feel free to jump in i'm just i'm just spitballing here just from what santi said it's more of there's levels to the game and i don't want to say i don't want to sound like conor mcgregor but this is there's level to this game and the mid-south and the canadians seem to have that idea of what those levels are i put it to you like this and this is something that i learned at a very early age uh because i used to study you know tape professional wrestling on my vcr and watch tapes back and forth um you know in the era of roh when it was first starting and people would send you tapes because you never saw could you know you it wasn't on your tv you couldn't see that stuff so you would just borrow tapes from your friends tapes from japan uh so of stuff you know dvds of different events where you know you get to see some of these guys uh one thing about the south and especially people from the south who you know are professional wrestling fans they will buy a ticket to boo you uh, <laughs> i love thing, that and, and this is because this is if you ever go back and watch like old nwa stuff with flair like there were some who absolutely loved him and there were some who wanted to wring his neck and those were the ones that you really wanted to try to reel in yep you you know i worked when i first started working in professional wrestling in with uh bayou independent wrestling i did i was a heel manager nicest guy on tiktok i million dollar smile million follower smile biggest heel you ever want to see like you nacho swilling uh dr pepper guzzling just nasty overall wearing why don't you go get a job application and get out of my face stop living in your mama's house and go get a real job your girlfriend can't sell crystal meth forever, brother. Eventually, you're going to have to try to make money somewhere. Like, it's, you, <laughs> like you got to go for the jugular. But then those cats are buying tickets to the next show. Like, I can't believe he talked to me like that. The next time I come out, I, I got to go back the next time because I'm going to make sure. Like, they, they used to legit try to attack me and my guys. I managed, I managed a stable called the Inner Circle. This is a real thing. The, they the original, the original inner circle. The original inner right. circle. Well, the original inner circle is the reggae group that sings "Bad Boys," but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the, the original wrestling inner circle was us. Funny enough, our theme song was "Bad Boys." By the of course, it was. Of course, of course, of course. It makes sense. Of course. So we, like, they were all shorter than me. This is a. This is real. They were. All, I'm five nine. All of these dudes that were in my stable were shorter than me, and they always won. They never lost. That was the point. We were that was like, we want you to manage these guys. You're not even a wrestler. We want them to all be smaller than you. So every time they win, all everybody's like, how the hell did they do? and they just hated us. They legit tried to physically attack us on multiple occasions. This is like they would come after us, but these people came to pay their good money to hate us. So I remember hearing a story about Ric Flair being in a Mid-South match where he had to get escorted out by about 15 or 20 security guards because of the threats he was getting because he was such a heel. 
that they were willing to put their actual lives on the line to take out this man. So mm-hmm. what you are saying, I do not doubt for the life of me. Yeah, that's the fans in the South are a different breed. Yeah, like they want to be drawn in. It's like it's the epitome of male soap opera in the South. Like they want to be drawn into the story. Like I know there are other places like Japan and Canada where they come to see the technical prowess and they want to watch the match. And the storyline behind it isn't necessarily the main thing, but. I had to cut like a 10 minute, like a five to 10 minute promo to start the show just to get people involved into this match that we were doing because like we had to rearrange some things before the show started. So we had to sell them on this match. So I had to use the gift of gab to sell them on what's going on. They became emotionally invested into this match because of talking. Because of what we said before anybody even got into a collar and elbow tie-up. You know, it's like fan, a lot of fans, it, well, th- this is in a lot of different places, but especially here, like you got to draw them in. They got to feel it. They got to want to be a part of it because they love the professional wrestling part of it, sure. But they want to be drawn in by story. Uh, so if you're not... Like the the stuff that WWE and AEW does, like when they come into New Orleans, Baton Rouge for shows. If you saw the uh, crowd from Baton Rouge last week for SmackDown, or if you saw the crowd that uh, New Orleans in New Orleans for AEW, uh, that was the night that Sean Dean beat MJF again, and Wardlow was doing the whole thing where he was coming in from the back to try to attack Max. And, you know, you had CM Punk come out at the beginning of the show and people went absolutely insane. And like they want to be emotionally invested in what's going on and not just the action, but everything that's surrounding it. So a lot of times you got to pull them in, man, and that's how you do it. I love that. I love that. I think at some point or another, Steve, I'm I'm sure it's inevitable. You and I are going to get invited to a show and we're going to get asked to cut a promo and we need to be heels. We need to be heels. It's where we live and breathe, Steve. People already hate you. Half the comments want to punch you in the face because according to them, you have a punchable face. We got to use that, man. That's money right there. Dude, I'm willing to bust out a promo on tiktok right now but you won't let me do it because it's too hot <laughs> so like we're gonna I, you need know what heat, baby call the heater we don't need <laughs> that heat call the heater. Uh, trust me i'll tell you right now I, i'm willing to drop a promo on a certain event that's coming up maybe it's july 3rd i don't know what we're talking about but i'm willing to cut a promo right now but this man is just like no no tone it down we don't need to be caught up in that all right cool no problem but yo, my heel Tesh is coming. Heel Tesh is coming. Santi, just let me loose. Let <laughs> no. me loose, Santi. It's like Butch on SmackDown. Santi, let me loose. <laughs> now, Professor, uh, it's my understanding that you're a Bills fan. Is that right? Your understanding is 100% correct, my friend. Nobody's perfect. You live in Louisiana. I'm a Saints fan. Come on. I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, how in the world did Why you end up... Thanksgiving, by the way. 
What's that? Hope it didn't, hope it didn't ruin your dinner. Thank you, Nine. <laughs> Thank you, Nine. Now, you got to tell us, how is a boy from the, from the South a part of the Bills Mafia? You need to explain that one. Okay. Um, so, I'm nine years old. And I had never really watched a full NFL game before in my life. And my uncle tells my mom, you know, don't you bring him over to watch the Super Bowl? Uh, and the Super Bowl that I ended up watching was Super Bowl 25, which was Bill's Giants. And that was the day. Now, I know that it ended heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. For my Buffalo Bills. But it was the day that I just, I was all in on them. And because I remember specifically right before that game, uh, I was, you know, this is a story from another time, but I was much maligned as a youth. Uh, I was, you know, not accepted. I was, you know, ostracized, outcast, all that stuff. Um, and I remember going on the bus uh, before an AFC championship game between the Bills and the Raiders. And that was back when, you know, kids of my ilk, uh, being from a town, Granville, Louisiana, that is majoritively african-american loved the raiders the raiders you know that's who all the rappers wore and they wore the starter jackets and the raiders hats and nwa and all this stuff and they loved the raiders so they were like yeah the raiders are gonna kill them gonna kill them so i said well i bet y'all a dollar that the bills will win and the bills slaughtered them i want to say it was a <laughs> it was huge and of course, nobody was going to pay up the next day. But my mom was like, yeah, you can't collect on any of that. And they were all like, we weren't going to pay anybody. But that, <laughs> like, that was, you know, I was always, I always felt as though I was the underdog. I always looked at myself as the underdog. And the Bills were the underdog, too, for years, 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 underdog. So that was kind of where my heart was. But it became much more a much deeper love of this fan base this community this team um because of I, for one uh years ago they drafted this guy named Kyle Williams uh who is from North Louisiana like me I was from Grambling he's from Ruston he's from 5 minutes away um and they drafted he went to LSU they drafted him and that was a personal connection for me uh, because of where he was from. And it, you know, put gave me some skin in the game. Same thing with Tredavious White. Uh, Trey's from Shreveport, our way from where I'm from. Trey's from the Cooper Road, which is a very rough neighborhood in Shreveport. And, you know, they, I got a Trey White jersey sent in my room now. You know, it gave me that personal connection. But... Over the past couple of years specifically, it has become a, I, I'm, it runs through my veins. I mean, I've always been a fan, but now it's like, um, and it was actually the game against the Saints uh, this past uh, year. You're, it's okay, Steve. I'm sorry. Um, we, so it was a, Bill's Mafia is known to take over a city 
Yep. They travel. They're one of the best traveling fan bases in the NFL, if not the best. Half of them are Canadian as well, just so you yes. know. Yes. A lot of them, Toronto. Yeah. Uh, they, they taught me how to say it while I was in Buffalo, Toronto. Uh, so we, I, I tried my best. I hope I did well. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. You good. So they wanted to do a parade, like a, a a true like Mardi Gras style parade in New Orleans before the game. They ended up at this place called Barcadia in New Orleans, and it was I like they did news reports on this, and it's just a sea of built thousands. Thousands had taken over the city. My girlfriend, uh, who's sitting right in front of me now, uh, is a Saints fan, and we were we were there all week. That game was uh, Thanksgiving Thursday. I got there that Tuesday. She got there that Wednesday, but we were there all week because I was doing work with uh, Grambling State University. Their football team was playing that weekend uh, in New Orleans, so. The whole week, there's just Bills fans everywhere. And this was the first time in my life that I'd ever been somewhere. Because this tradition in Buffalo, when somebody says, go Bills, you say, go Bills right back. So this was the first time in my life I'd ever experienced it. And she was walking everywhere with me. And she just got sick to her stomach. She's like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Why are there so many Bills fans here? Like, they were everywhere. It was wall to wall. I bet she's laughing behind the camera right now as you're talking. No, she about hates that. me because I, <laughs> she, I, she had to deal with me that whole game, and I was ex- I was extremely obnoxious because I was uh, they. It was a tribute to uh, Drew Brees that game uh, during halftime, so they gave out these towels that said "Thank you Nine" on them. So every time the Bills scored, I was just like "Thank you Nine." Oh. <laughs> Thank you, nine. I'm I'm, I'm done with this interview. (laughs) I mean, it must be nice, like being part of a fan base that actually has fans. Uh, You're talking to somebody who's a Los Angeles Chargers fan and your story makes is way better than mine. I only, yeah, I'm only a Chargers fan because as a kid, I was looking for a team to root for and they were part of San Diego. They're part, they were the San Diego Chargers. My name is Santiago. I was like, ah, they kind of sound alike. Boom, became a Chargers fan just like that during the time of Ladanian Tomlinson. But now there's no fans. Anytime I run into a Chargers fan, I have to hug them. It's like, we don't exist. Come here. Well, I tell you, that's how it feels or that's how it felt for me here. It still does. Because being a Bills fan in Saints land, you're a man on an island. I just moved away from the only Bills fan that I'd ever known, like, personally. Because he was in Monroe with me, and he's like, I'm leaving. He's like, yeah, one half of the uh, the Bills backers of North Louisiana is is leaving me. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, but they have Bills backers bar, a Bills backers bar in New Orleans, uh, and I'm gonna have to make it down there for a game because they have like that was one thing that I discovered this past year uh, while I was traveling because I uh, did play by play and color commentary and sideline reporting for Grambling State University college football. So wherever they would go, I would travel with them to do this stuff. And um, we had a game in Dallas and and they had a Bill's Backers bar in Dallas. And I went there and there were some people there who kind of recognized who I was. I was like, oh my God, you're the TikTok dude. I can't believe it. And I uh, went to, was it, uh, what was the name of it? Christian's downtown in Houston 
we had a game in Houston and they there's a Bill's Backers bar there. There's Bill Backers bars everywhere. Uh, you'd be surprised how many Bills fans there are all over the country and all the the world, really. And just it to so what I was what I was alluding to, where I was getting to, uh, while I was in New Orleans, uh, I was hanging out with a bunch of members of the Bills Mafia in, on Bourbon Street, and they were like, "So, uh, when's the last time you were in Buffalo?" I was like, "I've never been to Buffalo." They said, "You." You're one of the biggest Bills fans we know. And you've never been to Buffalo? I was like, no, I've never been to Buffalo. We got tickets. We got tickets for you. All you got to do is get there. We got tickets. All you got to do is get there. So there was a game last December in Buffalo against the Carolina Panthers. And I booked plane tickets. That's like, I'm going. And I flew in Saturday night. Went to the game on Sunday, flew out Monday morning. Now, Nick, and did you, just before you, you, you continue there, yeah. did you go through a table or put somebody through a table during the tailgate or what? Not this time. Um, <laughs> a, res- a wrestling not, fan not and a Bills time. Mafia member not putting somebody through a table? You not realize that's time. heresy. Not this time. But, 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 but. We are working on getting back up there for uh, the season opener this year, especially if... Because there's talk. Because I'm I'm doing I'm I'm gonna do some media with some Bills folks. I've already they just did a story on me in the Buffalo News. Uh, there's a couple other things that I'm about to do uh, with uh, the Bills, and uh, like there's a campaign, a legit campaign going on now for them to start playing that video during games. There are people who want me to come out, come to the home opener, and lead the charge uh, for the team onto the field. Nice, like damn, dude. Like it's it's crazy the stuff that's going on now, and uh, I feel like it's just gonna get crazier. Um, uh, I so it's it's it, it blows my mind uh, to think about some of the stuff they got going on. But yeah, they they were like, we got tickets for you if you want to go. Uh, I flew in, uh, stayed with a buddy of mine, Kristen Kimmick, who is the leader of the Bills Mafia Babes, or one of the leaders of the Bills Mafia Babes. Uh, got to meet uh, one of the OG. Bill's Mafia members, uh, Del Reed, he's one of the creators of Bill's Mafia and the 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 movement. And it just be for them to acknowledge me and for the team to acknowledge me. We the ones. For them to uh, you know, tweet my video out and to comment on my video on TikTok and all these people from Bill's Mafia to support and share and comment. And then all uh, so many of them, when I actually went to the game, because I did go to the tailgate and took pictures in front of the Bill's Mafia house. There's proof that I was tailgating. I was there. Uh, I didn't go through the table. No, no, no. But now, now, Nick, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is your next million, two million view video. You tell Steve and I the next time you're going to a Bills game, because we're an hour, 20 minutes from there, we will drive over and we will let you personally put us through a Bills Mafia table. I thought he was going to say you could put me through a table because he's never <laughs> up for that. <laughs> I will, I will, I will sacrifice myself for your content, Nick. If it, if yeah. it, if it, if it means may, being the one of the first few people that you personally get to put through a table. I tell you what, here's the idea: Kane style double choke slam through a I'm table. In. I'm in. I'm down, like, Nick. Nick, I don't know if oh, you know. Guys, my- 
I don't know if you know mine and Santi's setup, but once we hit a million on TikTok, Santi gets to put me through a table. Nice. It's happening. That's that's our that's it's our happening. setup. Once we hit a million on TikTok, like our million party, he's putting me through a table. So that that we've set that up. So if we can align that with Bill's mafia, I'll let you put me through a fucking flaming table. I don't give a shit. I got you. Well, I know that you guys uh do the alcohol, so you're gonna fit in real well with Bill's mafia because they're they're all over that thing. <laughs> so you, it's it's it's, it's going to be a good time. Like I said, uh, the home opener is in September. It's Monday Night Football against the Titans. I believe that's when the home opener. I'm pretty sure that's when it is, uh, because Game One is against the Rams. I want to say. Uh, so I, whenever I get there for a game, uh, I'd love to meet up with you guys. Uh, we can go have a couple of wings at Barbell, and you know, do it up right. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up, folks. Uh, Nick, before we we head out, where can the people find you? Uh, all social media is Mr. Professor three one eight. That's uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter. Uh, we just passed twenty thousand on Twitter. Twenty three just hit twenty three thousand on Instagram today, which is crazy. Uh, so I thank all you guys for that. Uh, on YouTube, you can search Mr. Professor 318 and find me there, too. Uh, if you search it on Facebook, you can find me there as well. Uh, so all social media, just look for Mr. Professor 318, and you will find me there. Fantastic. Steve, where can people find you? Guys, you can find me uh, soon to find me back on Twitch uh, at Mr. Tesh, and then obviously on TikTok, uh, Mr. Tesh, and then obviously the Straight Shoot. If you guys are not following the Straight Shoot YouTube, I don't know how you guys got here, but make sure you uh, follow us here. Um, but Nick, I just want to say for myself, thank you. I The stories you've told us, the just the road that you have been down, um, and I don't even think we we scratched the surface. So, I was going to say um, you got to have me back so I can tell you some more. because My next part was, I think we need a part two, Santi. I don't, Santi, I don't know if you're... <laughs> oh, can no. we... Are you, I mean, haven't we always asked for a sequel to Forrest Gump, Steve? All right. You're telling me that I wouldn't want a sequel to continue to hear about these ridiculous wrestling stories that he tells so nonchalant that have me melting inside. Um, of course, of course, we would love to have you back, Nick. People can find me over at twitch.tv slash SantiZap. And of course, you can find me uh, if you want the John Cena persona of me over at Mr. SantiZap over on TikTok. Trust me, it's gold. Although, like, it might trigger you. Trigger warning. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you, both of you, for joining me here today. If you're listening on podcast services, whatever podcast service that you're on, uh, if it allows you to leave a review, please leave us a positive review. There's like 100-plus reviews already on uh, on Spotify, and we're averaging five stars. We're ahead of the Colt Cabana podcast somehow, Steve, on Spotify. I mean, I'm taking that. If you're on YouTube... If you're on YouTube, yeah, we're ahead of Gangrel's podcast. Suck on that blood, Gangrel. Um, (laughs) Make sure to leave this YouTube video a like, a comment, and thank you all very much for watching and take care.